Let me clear my throat. Kick it over here, baby pop. And let all the fly skimmers feel the beat. Mm, drop. Oh. Music and murder contains violence, oh. profanity, oh. and graphic material that may not be suitable for children oh. or people with weak stomachs. Oh. Parental advisory is definitely recommended. What's up? It's Michael D. Kenny in the house. Or as many people have been calling me lately, Michael D. Kenny. Because many people are worthless fucking idiots, but not you guys. You guys are intelligent enough to listen to this kick-ass podcast. Because it is motherfucking kick-ass. Kick-ass. So this is episode 24 of Music and Murder, and the good news is that it is actually about a musician who is convicted of rape and murder. Which I haven't had on here in a while, but the bad news is, it involves a child. Which seems to be the theme lately on this self-proclaimed kick-ass podcast. But I swear to you, I am not seeking these cases out by any means. It's just what's been coming up for relevant episodes. So, I kind of have to go with it, you know? I'll do some cases on a lot of old people being murdered soon, and it'll cancel these out. Anywho, this is my first episode I've ever done as a single man, and it is strange. I honestly do not like it, but her and I were not good together, and this is a new chapter in both of our lives. And why is that relevant? Because it's taken me about 10 years to get this episode out, that's why. I'm also now living in Pismo Beach, so if you're in the neighborhood, good for you. Stay the fuck away from me. Just kidding. Totally joking. But seriously, I'm busy. So let's get into this very, very tragic story. I do have some cool stuff lined up for this episode, some good music, and a little short interview with country rap singer Morgan Wallen. You know, the dude that sings, Last night we let the mullet talk. And I have an after discussion with somebody, but I'm not sure who yet. I'll figure all that out before I finish this episode. So yo, let's go ahead and hit this shit and pass it to the left already. Boom. Did I actually just say musician? Like musician? Oh, fucking idiot. I ain't taking it out. The headline of the Seattle Times on February 21st, 1999 read, Pierce County prosecutors had sought the death penalty for Guy Rasmussen. 32, a musician arrested nearly four months after Cynthia Allinger was sexually assaulted and killed in July 1996. It then says in the next paragraph, as a teenager, Rasmussen was convicted in 1982 of sexual assault on a 16-year-old girl and served five years in prison. In 1990, He served five months after pleading guilty to assault on a 10-year-old Olympia girl. Olympia is in Washington. Now, these excerpts should tell you if this is a story that you want to listen to, or rather, if you can listen to it. 
This podcast informs people of how murderers work and interact within the public, thus helping you, helping me, and anybody that listens to this show from otherwise living in a world full of sickos in an oblivious manner. We should all be aware of what's out there because whether we like it or not, we do share a planet with many people who literally masturbate while thinking about hurting us. Maybe even you and me. Now these people that I speak of, they also daydream about hurting people, animals, anything that they can. And many of them will in fact hurt people and animals. And the more that you know, the less likely those people will hurt you. And you should really buy a gun while you still can, especially if you live in California, if you don't already own one. Do not be reliant upon others who own guns to help you, because a lot of them won't. Owning firearms yourself is just as important as knowing how to cook food yourself. It is called survival. You should consider it. It is a, it's a very good thing if you don't want to die, you know? You don't want to be raped, killed, tortured, or kidnapped, etc. So, okay, I just wanted to uh, get that disclosure out there. Okay, I feel a lot better now that we had that talk. Do you feel better? I, I, I feel better. I think that we, that we got a long way with that. Okay, so, on with the story. Now, Guy Matthew Rasmussen, not to be confused with the American serial killer Terry Rasmussen, was born in Lakewood, Washington in August of 1964. Now, Lakewood is a cute little town about 45 minutes south of Seattle. Reading up on this little town, it does seem like a nice little charming place to live. I will now refer to Guy Matthew Rasmussen as simply Raz, because that was his nickname. And I do not feel like it's a good idea to refer to him as Guy through this whole thing. You feel me? Because, like, I may say Guy in a different reference or whatever. So, he is now Raz. Poof. Boom. He's Raz. Now, Raz began playing guitar at the age of 12. And from what his friends and family had to say about Raz, he was a pretty good player. His musical taste ranged from Elvis to Slayer. And he was just kind of all over the place with music, which I actually think is a very, very good thing. It makes a very well-rounded guitarist. If you're locked into just one style, you're not really a guitar player. You're more rather just somebody that plays guitar. And there is a huge difference in the two, believe it or not. I am a studio session musician sometimes. And to do that, you have to be able to play many styles. And sometimes you have to play styles that you've never even heard before because they never existed on a platform to be heard you know what i mean like somebody will want to record a song that is actually really original and that's not always easy to to pull off at all now on fourth of july of 1996 in lakewood washington a mother of three young girls rhonda hebison talks with her daughters about the festivities that they're planning on participating in that day. Now, Rhonda's kids were named Brittany, Ashley, and Cindy. Cindy was nine years old, 
Here is an interview with Rhonda talking about that day. Cindy basically was in and out of the house all day playing and I was doing chores around the house and thought maybe later on that day we would go down by the waterfront and watch the fireworks. Now as night set in and the fireworks boomed and noise and drunk idiots were everywhere, Rhonda somehow couldn't remember what happened to her oldest daughter, nine-year-old Cindy. She also can't even remember what Cindy was wearing. All she can remember is that Cindy was supposed to be at a friend's house that she was never at, and she didn't show up for dinner. So I started walking around the neighborhood asking people if they had seen her, and they hadn't seen her. Now, like any good mother would do at this point, around 8 p.m., Rhonda finally makes a 911 call. Now, many people on Reddit and on everything that I could dig up pertaining to this 911 call say that Rhonda sounded, well, she sounded like she was like a robot reading a letter to the 911 operator, and there was absolutely no emotion or stress in her voice at all. And I do have to agree, I would have more emotion, say, if my cat was missing for as long as Rhonda's daughter Cindy was missing. But we're all different, and Cindy was supposed to be at a friend's house, so maybe she just figured that Cindy was on her way home, or there was some sort of mix-up. And maybe, possibly, like many people are saying on the internet, Maybe Rhonda did kill her own nine-year-old daughter and make it look like a sexual assault. A bad sexual assault. Here's a piece of the 911 call. See if you can detect any emotion and see what you think about it. Yes, my daughter is missing. She hasn't came home yet. Where was she going when you last saw her? She was going over to a friend's house and she's not there. Have an opinion? Well, hold on. Listen to it one more time. Yes, my daughter is missing. She hasn't came home yet. Where was she going when you last saw her? She was going over to a friend's house, and she's not there. Now, when Rhonda first starts this phone call, it literally sounds like she is reading off a paper. And there's nothing there. There's no worry. There's no stress. As I said before... Now, after this 911 call was made from Rhonda regarding her missing daughter, Cindy, she was held at the police station from 9 p.m. until 6 a.m. being interrogated. And keep in mind, this is 4th of July. So, obviously, the police saw something in Cindy that night that was not quite right. I've never heard of a mother with a missing daughter being interrogated anywhere near that long on the night that she goes missing. And I bet you have never heard this song. So check it for a minute. We went from several generations of hardworking Americans to a bunch of young fucking wussies who live at home with their moms until they're fucking 31 and can't take a punch because they're pussies. Can't make them get a job even though they're all in debt And they'll lecture you about being politically correct They're crying and whining on the titties of their mamas So here's a song for all the prima donnas Fuck your feelings, 
is a song called Fuck Your Feelings by Lay Guest. And Lay is spelled L-E-I-G-H. I think. Ah, you could look it up. Lay Guest. And the reason why I played that song is because she sent it. She sent it like last month. And uh, if you're listening, Lay, I like the song. It's kind of cool. Your voice... I could help you with that. So if you want to get a hold of me, I could make you sound a little less like a cartoon character. But, you know, it's a cool song. And if you don't like the song, you should at least, like, respect her opinion, right? I mean, a lot of people are asking for others to respect their opinions. I think that people should respect lay guests' opinions and... A lot of people have that same opinion, and the younger generation is kind of screwed a little bit, you know? But that's not, I did not play that song because, like, I want to say this is a song that I agree everything with because I don't agree with everything in the song. But it is, nevertheless, an original song, and it was sent to me, and I thought it was worth playing, so I hope you fucking dug it. Okay. Okay, so when we last left off on this case, we were talking about Rhonda's 911 call in regards to Cindy, her nine-year-old daughter, missing on 4th of July in Washington. The 911 call was made around 8 o'clock. My opinion was that she was she sounded like she was reading something, but there is no way to convict her. And I read so much stuff on people just convicting this woman basically over her interviews and her phone calls. And I gotta say that, that that's a bunch of shit. If you do that 
and you say stuff like that, you're a piece of shit because this woman lost her kid. So I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not defending her and saying that she is definitely innocent. By the way, I guess I didn't really introduce this case as being as controversial as it is because it's very, very controversial. Now, as far as we know on this show right now, for sure, we do know that Guy, which I'm calling Raz, excuse me, I'm sorry about that. I am calling Raz. We do know that Raz was arrested and convicted in 1999 of this case, but we don't know the outcome yet. We don't know if her mom was convicted. We don't know if he was let out. We don't know if he was already killed. We don't know anything yet so we're just getting started on this case right now so morgan oh Wallen. Uh, okay that's morgan Wallen. give me, give morgan me a second Wallen. i gotta i gotta prepare for this this guy Hold morgan on. wallen morgan wallen ladies and gentlemen it is my pleasure to introduce you to country music's biggest star that has ever existed in the history of country music bigger than garth brooks bigger than luke bryan bigger than john wayne bigger than anybody in the entire world it is morgan fucking wallen hey y'all it's me you, you put that shit in there? Like yes, I Morgan. It's, it, it's in. Right. I'm going to turn it down now. Hold on. All right. All right. All right. So it's great to have you on, Morgan. Thank you for taking the time to yeah. uh, to be on the show. Yeah, I know that you're very, very busy these days. Of course, very busy. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually backstage right now in Texas. And, uh, yeah, there's lots of hot chicks out there, you know. So it, it's pretty. It's it's a pretty good deal. They want to hear, you know, last night. I'm they sure they want to hear a lot of your talk. songs. I'm, I mean, there's there's more people that know who you are than know who George Strait is these days, who, and uh, that's who? just crazy. George who? George George Strait? I, I ain't never heard no George Strait. Was he a rapper or some shit? Yeah, well, he's he's a country singer. You know, he he actually sings. And uh, he's been around for a long time, but like I said, yeah, so he don't even rap. Yeah, you're, he don't you're even rap. More famous than him now, so it's it's really so. Wait a minute, this guy don't even rap, and he was a country singer. So, well, I'll tell you what, you could you could call me George Bent because no, I'm, I'm about ready to that. get hell bent and pussy fucking bound. You know what I mean? I'm I'm, I'm that, in fucking Texas right now, just like I said. Now I know your show like you, you like what oh, catch I, bad guys and shit like that. I tell stories on here. I don't catch bad guys. I tell stories about bad guys. And well, it's, it, if you've listened to the fucking show, it's more than just about bad guys. There's also bad girls. There's also bad people well i just figured you were catching all the bad guys so i could just go catch all the bad girls you know what i mean yeah you 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 really are catching a lot of the bad girls these days aren't you i mean it seems like a lot of the dudes that i talk to really don't like you oh yeah their old ladies do so i guess that's a good thing right? yeah <laughs> i think that's a fucking great thing right there I, I don't give a fuck about the dudes you know it's all about the pussy yeah and I, I know it is for you and uh, it's for a lot of people right? it's like for a me. really good subject um you recently just cut off your whole mullet. Right? Uh, I, I mean, I've been. I cut I my hair. See it. I, I haven't cut, seen you without it yet. I cut I my fucking the hair. It's different. Was in the mullet. 
I mean, didn't chicks kind of really dig that? No, thing? chicks. Chicks always they, they dig the fucking wall and they don't care about the fucking mullet. They, I, they, they, they dig they the wall and they the dig mullet. the fucking songs. They dig. They dig me being on stage. They dig you know, there's everything a lot of, about me. So it doesn't. It, it ain't no fucking power in the goddamn mullet. There's a lot of guys that are trying to like grow what? mullets. You know how much money I got these days, motherfucker. I know you're making Shit, money. I don't Morgan. need the fucking mullet. Hey. Nobody, so nobody's arguing. I just arguing. cut it off. I just need to change. You know, sometimes people need to change like a fucking butterfly. All right, calm You know, down. I'm just a fucked up butterfly because I'm drunk all the fucking time. And, you know, that's I, just the way it I is. I totally get that. And I did not mean to upset you as far as that goes. You don't upset me. I don't give a you know? fuck. I mean, we go back. I, was just I barely even remember who the fuck now, you are, motherfucker. About you being fucked up. Um... Do you care to elaborate on, like, everybody talking about that show that you had to cancel because you were too drunk? What? Well, I, I didn't cancel shit. I didn't, everybody I, says you did. Because I was too fucking drunk, really? I have to be drunk to get on motherfucking stage. I canceled the show so I could keep getting drunk. I was drinking. I was partying. I had a whole bunch of pussy backstage. I wasn't giving it up to go out there and play a stupid fucking See, show. You canceled to Come get on. drunker. Now, what did, what did O.J. Simpson do whenever he got all that fucking money from goddamn Dallas Cowboys? You know, he didn't want to play no more. He didn't want now to play Now that I got all this got money, I don't really want to fucking sing. I just want to fucking snort cocaine, go back there and fuck all kinds of pussy, and stay backstage and fucking drink sometimes. Well, so I wasn't too fucking drunk to do a goddamn show. I was fucking getting drunk and didn't want to do the fucking I, show. I mean, I guess that makes sense. That makes total fucking sense. Well, I it mean, should make was, sense, King. I guess it if I was worth about sense. $100 million like you are, I would want to like cancel yeah, the show every you, now and then, too. But, if you about I mean, like it kind of is what you do, and those people all did show up to see you and stuff like that. I mean, that's a little that's a little selfish. Yeah, but you don't know what it's like to be balling like Wallen. See, now, I don't. I don't I even don't. know what it was going to be like until I started getting fucking super paid. Super over fucking paid, my ninja. You know what I mean? I could see. And by that. the way, I do have that that new word. You know, so I can say the N word. It says ninja now, I, and it I doesn't matter if I'm a fucking ninja or not. Even though I'm better. not a fucking ninja, I could still say ninja all day long. Check it out, my ninja. What up, ninja? Yeah, you know, well, what I, I up, use that ninja? word all fucking day long. Nobody says shit to me, and I still done sold fucking two hundred million records. I know, I know. More than anybody else. More than anybody else in the fucking Morgan, world. You're getting pissed off now. Come on, this this calm down here. Let's okay, just, okay. Just give okay, me a couple you, more you seconds. Fucking okay. giving me shit. So I'm doing you a why favor. Why did you on cut here. your hair? Is there a reason it, other than why did I cut my hair? That you don't have all your power in your hair. Okay, okay. Well, you, you ain't got enough listeners on this show to really fuck with me no, at all. Anyway, I, I so I, I I'll don't. just tell you the truth. I was fucking this chick, and she pulled the fuck out of that mullet, and literally about half of it came out in her fucking hand. <laughs> she pulled, I told her to pull it, but she, I didn't. I didn't mean for her to fucking pull it out. Jesus Christ! So I had to just act like I was a Britney Spears and losing my mind a little bit, and wanting to fucking you know turn into this goddamn butterfly bullshit. How the fuck you know? Did I know that so had to do that's with what pussy. it was. I was I was getting some fucking pussy, and this bitch is fucking pulling my fucking hair. I just I just knew I knew somehow when you cut that hair, I had. I had this premonition that it had something to do with a vagina. Just, <laughs> you, know I, the mo- you know the fucking wallet. Anyway, I, I know that you have to go, and I really, I do, I really do. want you back on the show. I, I think that we have great talks, and you're right. I don't have enough listeners to really bug nah, you. you ain't so, got shit. Like, you can say yeah, whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, you, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got I shit. I think that's a great thing, right? Yeah, you, you ain't got shit, so I, I don't no, mind talking don't. to you at all. I mean, you used to drive me around and shit, so I don't, I I don't I give a fuck. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you every now and then. 
Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I really dig your fucking show, even though I didn't listen to it. But well, you know, you. I'm gonna tell you that shit anyway. And all your people, they could fucking suck my dick, or they can hey, like me. I really on. don't give a fuck, cause you ain't got that many people. Come on, anyway, come on, I gotta man. go. You have a good night, motherfucker. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Just one more question. Where all the right. fuck are you at? You sound like you're in a goddamn fucking penitentiary. Oh, that's just my bodyguards, motherfucker. I gotta roll with about thirty bodyguards, cause all that fucking inward bullshit, you know. And they're real certified ninjas. So I drive around with a bunch of fucking ninjas and that's what they sound like i gotta listen to it all the fucking time they fuck all my bitches they you know they they could whip my ass so i gotta fucking like i gotta i gotta be nice to them so anyway motherfucker have have yourself a good night i'm gonna go out there and make some fucking pussies wet then i'm gonna fuck them So that was my acquaintance, Morgan Wallen, or as I like to call him, The Wallen, as he calls himself as a third person. All I told him before the interview was to not talk over me. And I don't think I got about five words without him talking through the whole entire thing, but oh well, at least he did call just like he said he would, so I'll give him credit for that. Even though he's kind of a douchebag, I can't say he's a whole douchebag because I don't want to have to fight a bunch of ninjas, especially certified ninjas, whatever the fuck that is. So we were talking about the controversy about this case and if Raz or Rhonda brutally sexually assaulted nine-year-old Cindy Alger, whose real name is actually Cynthia, but from here on, I'll refer to her as Cindy, as her mother did. Right away, I want to get into the controversy surrounding this case. It, it doesn't only stem from the 911 call that is being labeled as emotionless. There's also other factors that we're going to go over, such as a timeline factor that makes it really hard to be able to say without a shadow of a doubt that Raz did in fact do it because he took off that day for a music festival right around the same time as Cindy's death was to have to have occurred according to the coroner so let's first talk about that now by the time of the morning sunrise on July 5th and again this is 1996 came around and Cindy's mom, Rhonda, was no longer detained for questioning. There were over a hundred volunteers out there looking through this thick brush and basically everywhere inside the town for young Cindy. And this was not an easy feat to say for the least. You've got brushy areas. And in this part of the country, you have these blackberry bushes with these just nasty thorns on them. So these searchers, they were going through these weeds and these bramble bushes, and they were coming out just, just scratched and bleeding. I'm just really amazed how many people have been coming together and helping me out and praying for Cindy. Rhonda sincerely seemed like she was very grateful for all of them helping. And I don't think that there was any controversy over that search because Rhonda seemed to take charge and was extremely involved. This lasted for about 48 strong, strong hours, and police really just focused on Rhonda and Cindy's father during that time. 
Now, Cindy's father did have an airtight alibi, which was work. So this just left Rhonda. And as detectives began to analyze Rhonda's 911 call, they began to poke a lot of holes in that call. They began focusing on the fact that Rhonda couldn't even remember what Cindy had on. But I get that. This woman had three kids. I'm single with no kids and I can't remember what the hell I had on yesterday sometimes. So to me, it does seem kind of normal for her to forget that. Except when you add in the fact that it was sort of kind of a holiday. It was a big holiday. But Cindy was wearing what she wanted to wear. Cindy was definitely old enough to pick her own outfits by this time, when the other two of her siblings were not. So maybe that did have something to do with the absence of the memory that Rhonda had of what she was wearing. Police began not to only begin focusing on Rhonda's lack of memory and her unemotional behavior, but they also began to put into perspective the timeline of Rhonda calling 911. A few hours, excuse me, a few hours after Cindy went missing. Now Cindy was a very beautiful nine-year-old young lady, and she didn't run off much from what police stated. These are two things that should have made Rhonda call earlier. I know it may sound strange to think a pedophile or a sex offender who targets easy prey would care about what a kid looks like, but they do have a type, just as regular people do. All kids are cute, but some dress more provocative, some seem more appealing to pedophiles, some seem more mature, and more sexualized, for lack of a better term. It's not always black or white with, with this type of stuff. When we think pedophile, we think, oh, well, they're just going to want to do any kid that they see, but th that's not the case. Many people that seek out sex exclusively with children view the children they choose as suitable partners and claim that these children were actually sexually attracted to them as well. Wrap your head around that. You got some dirty old 40, 50 year old man saying, this little five year old girl actually thought that I was romantically good looking, which is fucking disgusting. and makes most of us want to castrate them with a butter knife while sticking a red hot piece of iron right up their ass, which by the way, has been done. And the pedophile didn't die for almost 48 hours, not giving anyone any ideas, just reminiscing on past cases. Hmm. So now we get to the giant big red flag, the biggest red flag for detectives who thought Rhonda was already guilty. And do keep in mind, no body has been found at this point. Thus, at this point, no crime has actually certifiably been committed. However, they proceed to polygraph Rhonda, and Rhonda 
what? Rhonda fails miserably, like insanely. That was really horrible. That was, uh, it was a nightmare. I thought I was going to go to jail. Now two weeks have already passed. And even with a $5,000 reward, nothing came of anything. There were no tips. There was no evidence. There was nobody saying anybody's name. And although $5,000 gets you like maybe gas for your Prius for two weeks now, in 1996, it was actually a pretty significant amount of money, if you could fathom that. Now, after these two weeks of police basically trying to build a case against Rhonda, one of Rhonda's friends who went to the same church as Rhonda called the police, and she stated that she had a vision of where young nine-year-old Cindy was and for some reason, she was absolutely sure of this. She didn't leave the detectives alone. This vision showed Cindy as either sleeping or being deceased in a field about a half of a mile from her house, which was strange because volunteers had already searched that area and even further in all directions from her house, literally on their hands and knees for the most part. But after the call, with nothing else to go on and nothing to lose, the searchers proceeded to once again get on their hands and knees and start to search. But only this time, they did find young Cindy's lifeless body. They found Cindy under an old rusty hot water heater. She was wrapped in some sort of carpet, like a shag carpet, like four, I think it was four different uh, kinds of carpet that was all around her, next to an abandoned house. So now police were in a real pickle. Here they have a mother that fails the polygraph and can't seem to remember anything at all and now they have a psychic or a suspect of some sort telling them where the body is sometimes if you actually tell the police that you have a vision you're not a hero not at all sometimes you get looked at as the main suspect that put the body out there People have been put to death in very, very violent and painful ways for much less. Now, Cindy's autopsy revealed that Cindy was severely beaten, then raped, then sodomized, and then beaten even more, and finally strangled to death. Which I think, basically, they were trying, whoever did it, tried to beat this poor young girl to death and when she wouldn't die that's when they, they decided to strangle her until she did die and then cover her with everything that they could find around that junk pile of a house I saw two pics two pictures from the crime scene which are not accessible to the public 
And I'll tell you what, they were horrendous. This crime scene in one way or another did change every single officer that was on the scene to witness it. Now before we go any further, I really want you guys to follow my IG. It is music underscore murder underscore podcast. It's doing okay, but it's the only thing that I check for messages and for songs. So please, please just go on your phone and follow you. I will follow you back. Now we will be right back after this tune called Fallen Angel. And this is one of my rock songs that I wrote when I was with Fresno violinist Patrick Contreras. I was his guitarist for a while. Patrick, myself, Sal Hernandez, and Jason Anderson were all in the studio recording it. I believe at Wolf Sound, Patrick lost interest in the song, left us there, and never came back. And that is when we all lost interest in ever playing with Patrick again. And no, there's no hard feelings. Patrick and I are friends. I would just never, ever waste a second of my time trying to play music with him again. But these days, he's a huge star like Morgan Wallen, so no sarcasm at all. But this is a song called Fallen Angel, and uh, I believe the band was actually called Scarlet... Uh, Scarlet something. Anyway, this is Fallen Angel. Hope you like it. Sad song, this is heaven. This is a reality, like a technicality, no more rationality. Falling 
So that was me singing in four octaves and playing guitar really fast. The song is called Fallen Angel and it's off the Happy Hour record that I released in 2013 when I was laid up with a very, very bad broken leg that left my left leg, well, half metal. Again, if you like this show, please follow me on IG at music underscore murder underscore podcast. And if you have a well-produced song, I was going to say well-produced music, or if you would like to be a guest on this show, please message me. I also have a Facebook page that's named after the show if you're not on IG. And please leave a review even if you don't like me. It only takes 20 seconds. I really don't care about bad reviews. I just want people to actually interact and say that they listen to it so if you don't like me feel free to voice your opinion it's okay it's okay i i respect your opinion okay so we left off with talking about the controversy of this horrendous case so not only are many people split on who sexually assaulted and killed nine-year-old cindy allinger meaning was it raz or her mother Rhonda? But many people are also very adamant about their internet opinions. You know, keyboard vigilantes, keyboard gangsters. I was also touching on the gruesome, well, the gruesomeness of the crime scene itself. Not only was Cindy raped, sodomized, and brutally beaten before being thrown beneath multi-layers of carpet topped off with a huge and heavy water heater but her underwear was also shoved down her throat pre-mortem which means that when she expired as a result of asphyxiation it was likely that her own underwear played a part in what actually killed this poor girl which is just fucking horrendous so to me i i just don't see her own mother being able to do this Not to mention that with the blood spatter at the crime scene could leave no doubt in anybody's mind that this that this crime scene happened at the crime scene, meaning that she wasn't killed beforehand and taken there. Therefore, if Rhonda was able to do this horrific shit to her own nine-year-old daughter, she would have had to do it there at the crime scene outside on 4th of July where there's people walking around virtually everywhere. Additionally, the hot water heater itself, the hot water heater was a full-size one, so the hot water heater weighed about 75 pounds. So it's not likely that Rhonda would have taken the time and had the strength to do all this. Now, talking about the 911 call, which is what many who consider Rhonda as being guilty are pointing to as their main evidence and reason why they think that, I actually think quite the opposite. If Rhonda did do this, I believe that she would have practiced up on being much more theatrical and emotional during her 911 call to the police. I believe that we would have really heard her overreact and be quite hysterical by screaming and crying, etc. Which also wouldn't fit the scenario because Cindy had allegedly only been missing for around four hours. 
at the time of this 911 call, right? So if you're a mother that did this, do you overreact over four hours? Do you scream and cry and freak out? Or do you sound like she sounded, like she was reading off of a paper? Now, like I said before, there is a lack of emotion there, but Cindy was only missing four hours. So we have to keep that in mind. Oh, and one more thing. There was also male semen left at the scene on Cindy's body. Thus, if this was done by Rhonda, she would have had to bring male semen to the scene to plant it on her nine-year-old daughter that she just did many, many bad things to. Now think about that. Wrap your head around that. She, she would have had to like actually plan this whole thing out to do it on that at that spot, to do it in that manner, and then just happen to have some male semen to bring to the scene to plant on her nine-year-old daughter that she just did many, many bad things to. All things that I just don't see happening in a million years. Is it possible? Oh, it's very possible. But is it likely? Not at all. Not even close. Although, however, Rhonda did fail the polygraph test, and the question that showed that she was being deceptive was, do you know where your daughter is at this moment in time? Which is not a good question to fail. It's ultimately the main question that you do not want to fail. Rhonda's response to failing this question is as followed. During the mother's polygraph, she was asked questions about whether she had any knowledge of Cindy's whereabouts. And that was the question that she failed. She had said she did not. I hadn't been sleeping. I hadn't been eating. I was a mess. Hey, and you know what? I will buy into that because Rhonda had two other young daughters that she was caring for. She was being heavily interrogated by the police. She had reporters in her face 24-7. And all through this, she's supposed to actually act normal. There is no normal for what this lady was enduring. Now this brings me back to my point that I was making in the beginning with people on Reddit and people talking all this shit about her being guilty and Raz being innocent. Well, you know what? Raz was already convicted of fucking around with two younger girls already. So the dude's already a piece of fucking shit. So you really want to like actually defend him? You're just as bad as him. So either way, whether or not she is completely innocent, Raz is still a piece of shit. So let's not forget that. And another thing that I want to touch on with this subject as well is that how did they find the body? Okay, so we already went over that, right? So this woman that went to church with Rhonda had this vision. And this vision she considered as being like a religious vision, right? And she tells the police that she saw Cindy in a field, either sleeping or deceased, about a half mile away from the house. So the police also has to deal with this as well. They're wondering, how does this woman know where Cindy is? So this is a big deal because police officers do not, I repeat, they do not, especially the older ones, 
feel that it is very professional to rely on somebody's psychic abilities. Which is another reason why I decided to choose this case to actually do the episode on. Because this is becoming more and more prevalent in law enforcement. Now, when I, when I study criminology like at Fresno State and I was getting my master's and everything, we didn't really even touch on this. This is how new this is. And it's only happened a few times where it's been successful, but it is becoming more prevalent. So say you're going to kill a bunch of people and you think that you got everything completely 100% ironclad to where you can't get caught. Here comes this old church lady that says, hey, I saw this motherfucker in a dream do all this. And the police are going to have to adhere and somewhat follow up on it. And the next thing you know, you're in handcuffs and you're wondering, wow, how did they catch me? Well, they caught you because somebody saw this shit in their dream. Which worked out very, very well in this case, thankfully, because we got a child murderer off the street. Or did we? Because remember, now we have the mother, we have Raz, and we have this lady that knows where the body is. So what do we do? Well, there is only one direction to go from here, and that is what? D-N-A. Unlike the band NWA, DNA actually convicts murderers. I mean, just think about a cop saying, I want to swab you for your NWA. And then they come back and they're like, your, your NWA actually concludes that you are without a doubt saying fuck the police. And furthermore, Rin said it with authority. Yeah, yeah. And for any of you that don't believe that, well, right here's the evidence. See what I'm saying? Last time I had my DNA swabbed, that's what my DNA said was fuck the police. But anyway, going back to the story. So police have a really uphill battle on this case, right? And to top everything else off, where Cindy's body was found, it was in the biggest part of town where the most gangs sold drugs and did things that gangs do. And beyond even that, there was 64 sex offenders that were registered in that area. So where do we even start if you're a police officer, right? There's so many different directions. Okay, so whenever you are law enforcement and you have so many avenues to go through, the first thing that you realize is that the body was found outside. Now when bodies are found outside and you want to find the time of death, you go off of insects. You go off the size of the insects, how many eggs were laid, and so on. And this body was found outside, so that's the way that they did that. And then the second thing that they did was they looked at if the carpet that was surrounding, remember there was four layers of carpet surrounding Cindy's body. They look at if those layers of carpet hindered the actual activity from the insects. It's a very disgusting process whenever you think about a body being infiltrated by the insects and eggs and so on, but it is science and it does really help with the time of death. Now in this particular case, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Goff actually took a dead animal, wrapped it in the same 
I don't know if it was the same carpet or the same type of carpet, but he took it to the same area, wrapped this dead animal in the carpet, and then monitored how fast the eggs were laid, how fast that they grew, to compare it with the, with the bugs that were in Cindy's body. And again, I know this sounds very gross, but it is exactly the way that he did this. And to be fair, when you're talking about catching somebody that did this to a nine-year-old girl, is there really anything gross? I mean, we need to do everything in our power to catch the people that are doing this type of stuff. Now, after Dr. Goth conducted this test, it did show that the carpet did hinder the insects from being able to develop for at least a day. So that means even though they found the body, Cindy's body, 14 days later, it meant that she was dead on the 4th of July or right around the 4th of July. So this is pretty cutting edge stuff to be able to determine the time of death when a body is left outside for two weeks. So now the police have the time of death, or at least very near the time of death. What is the next step? Well, the next step is to take those 64 sex offenders that live in the area and interview every single one of them. And that's what they did. And after they did this, they found that every single one of them had an airtight alibi. Yes, this is very unheard of. 64 sex offenders and every single one of them have an airtight alibi. So what now? Well, this is the part where family comes in. Cindy's younger sister, Ashley, who is seven years old, seemed to remember that Cindy was actually going up the street to see an older dude named what? Raz. Ashley told her mother Rhonda, Cindy was actually going to see Raz, who lived right up the street. Here's Rhonda, Cindy's mother and a neighbor, both talking a little bit about Raz. I actually went over there with her a few times. She just played with his dog and go and he had a drum set in his shed and she'd go in there with him to play the drums. Guy Rasmussen stood out in the neighborhood because he looked like a hippie with his tie-dye shirts and he seemed out of his time zone. Now when Rhonda first heard Cindy talk about this guy named Raz, she states that she thought that Raz was actually Cindy's age and that Raz was a kid. And once she found out that Raz was a full-grown man in his 30s, she told Cindy that she can't go over there anymore, which could explain the reason why Cindy was actually telling her mother, I'm going somewhere else when she went to Raz's house. Now, of course, immediately after hearing this, police went straight to Raz's house. Raz said that he had never, ever saw Cindy on that particular day. Guy Rasmussen told us that he was picked up from the store by his friend at approximately 4.15 that afternoon, and then they went to the Rock Festival in Thurston County. Now, of course, police did follow up on this, and they did polygraph Raz, and he did take the polygraph. He accepted the ticket, and he actually passed it. Now, here's where the story gets weird, though. 
they go ahead and start collecting his trash as far as like rummaging through it and stuff they find a picture that cindy had drawn of raz's dog ripped up and when i say ripped up i mean he ripped it up threw it away after she was missing it was interesting that he had torn up this picture and this was after he knew that uh, she was missing. Now, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, you're thinking, why would he want to get rid of this drawing from this little girl that was dead that was supposedly his friend? So again, police are in a real pickle. They have two suspects. They have Cindy's mother who did not pass the polygraph. And then they have Raz who... I did say that he passed the polygraph, but it was inconclusive. He kind of passed some parts, and he kind of didn't pass the other parts. So he wasn't so much excluded as it was like he was just straight up failing the polygraph. But either way, they had two suspects. They had this drawing that was ripped up. And now, to make things even more complicated, they have Chris Doyle, Rhonda's fucking boyfriend and Chris was actually a pretty violent person supposedly allegedly Chris had beat Rhonda up several times and he even admitted to police that he threw Cindy off of him whatever the fuck that means it doesn't mean that he's like saying that he hit her or beat her or anything like that but either way they now had a third suspect Thus, the plot thickens. And uh, hold that thought right there. I'm going to put on a little ICP for you right now. And I think this song kind of goes with this story. Okay, tomorrow we're going to take a look at chapters 34 and 35, all right? And don't forget this Friday, test papers are due. No, no, I told you last week that they would be due on Friday, okay? So make sure that's taken care of, and we'll see you tomorrow. The first pedophile, he was a teacher. I waited for school to end under the bleachers. I walked down the halls, dragging my ass. He was pinning papers to the board with text. I slipped in the room and raised my weapon and whistled as he turned around for a second. I buried the blade into his scalps he never even had a chance to cry for help the next pedophile he drove a cab i held him down on 13th Ave. we made some small talk about the weather oh well i got my wire together he stopped at the light eyes on the road i slipped my cord right around his throat with my knees up i yanked it back his head fell forward into his lap
came around the corner, I blasted him flat And beat him horrendous with a baseball bat Caved his skull in and left it there In a pile of blood, brains, bones and hair The next pedophile, he did construction Showed up on the site looking for destruction Picked up a nail gun as soon as I spot him He asked who the fuck I was, I shot him Sledgehammer and broke his back Hit him again in the back of the head His whole skull exploded into a spread I grabbed my hatchet, the predator chopper Walked in his office, the nurse tried to stop me I gave her a choice, leave her be chop me She was out of there, I kicked the door And there he was, website kitty porn exploring One swift swing straight down was fatal His whole head split like a tomato The last pedophile, he had no job He was a fucking bum who lived with his mom The lady was old, I waited for her to leave So we now have three suspects. Cindy's mother, Rhonda, who failed the polygraph miserably. Raz, who tore up a drawing by Cindy after she went missing and was said by Cindy's seven-year-old sister, Ashley, that it was his house that Cindy was on her way to. And he did kind of pass the polygraph, but not completely. Then there was Chris, Cindy's boyfriend, who had a history of domestic abuse and other violence, and getting physical with Cindy on at least one occasion. But Chris was the only one that passed the polygraph completely. And finally, there was the psychic that actually helped the police find Cindy's body, but she had such an airtight alibi, the police didn't even ask her to do a polygraph. So what do they do? They set their sights on Raz, which in this case, I would have done too. Denying seeing Cindy and tearing up the drawing of his dog that she drew for him was just 
way too much to pass up. So after police really set their sights on Raz, they find out that he did time two different occasions. He, he did time on two different occasions for assaulting two underage girls. If you remember right, one was 16 and the other one was 10. He was also the main suspect for two other murders, but there wasn't enough evidence con to convict him and we didn't, even, we didn't even touch on that. Now Rhonda told police that she last saw Cindy at 4.30, which was the time that Raz left with a friend to a concert. But it was later proven that Rhonda had made the mistake and she initially told the police that she saw Cindy at 3. And that was during the 911 call she said that she had seen Cindy at 3. Which now helped Raz's alibi go to shit. Because now, with the new timeline of 3 p.m., this gave Raz an hour and a half to commit the murder and sexual assault. So along with this new information and his past offenses and the new timeline, police immediately search Raz's house where they confiscate Raz's clothes, what he was wearing, including what he wasn't wearing. Raz had an enormous amount of dirty clothes in his bathtub, you know where most of us overachievers keep their dirty clothes because you don't really need to take a bath or anything, right? You just put your clothes there. And these clothes were checked for plant life. Bodies are checked for insect life. Clothes are checked for plant life. And they're compared, well, his was compared with the plant life at the crime scene where Cindy was found, which was mostly seeds, grass, sticks, things like that. And these seeds and grasses ended up being exactly the same. And on, not only the same, but at the same development in time, as far as growth and maturity go in seeds and grasses. Now, Raz denies ever being anywhere near the crime scene. And he stated that he'd only met Cindy one time but the plant life found in his clothes told another story. It told the real story. And I guess Raz did kind of forget about that time that Cindy's mom did come over because Raz said the time that he did meet Cindy, Cindy was by herself and he was with his girlfriend. So there's a little bit of confusion, uh, uh, confusion there as well. Now here is Raz during a radio interview basically stating that he's not a pedophile and he does not want to go back to prison for being a pedophile again. The girl liked animals. I didn't know her, really, you know. And I didn't know her parents or anything. When she come over, me and my girlfriend at the time said, you need to go home and tell your mom where you're at. Now, what's the biggest problem with that? All you super sleuths out there, what is the biggest problem with that? The biggest problem is, is that Rhonda, Cindy's mother, actually went over to his house. She was able to explain his drum set, explain the things that he owned. Cindy drew a picture of his dog. I mean, there's, there's so many discrepancies there. 
There's just no way that everybody could be telling the truth. And there's no way that Rhonda could have seen his drum set if she had not been in his house. So for him to say that he had never met this woman, but yet she knows the whole layout of his house and everything that's in it, there's something wrong with that. Now beyond anything else, Raz lost all credibility with the police when it came out that he did, in fact, know Cindy and was even in a way grooming her, as you will now hear. Guy Rasmussen told investigators, and he told me, that he'd only met Cindy once. But later it came out that he'd, he'd actually met her f a few times. We learned from the younger sister, Ashley, that Guy Rasmussen had given them a stuffed animal. A rabbit with a carrot is what he gave her. So basically, he was just lying about everything and he was grooming these girls. This whole thing was probably planned out. I would think that being it was a 4th of July concert that he was on his way to, I would think it was kind of a heat of the moment thing, a crime of opportunity, and it just happened then, but bet your ass that he was actually planning on doing this to her. And probably, more than likely, he had sexually assaulted her in the past. She just didn't know it. Now, the final nail in Raz's coffin was a stain on his dirty, disgusting shirt, as you will hear. That the stain on his shorts was the blood from Cindy Allinger and the semen Guy Rasmussen. And they were a mixed stain. It was DNA positive that he had committed this crime. Oh, I can't describe how disgusted I am when I think about him. And that was Cindy's mom. And uh, there was stains of semen and Cindy's blood on his shorts and on his shirt that he never even washed over three weeks because Raz was a disgusting pile of shit. This story does have kind of a good fitting ending. You see, Raz was actually on stage with his band playing as the cops completely surrounded the club that he was playing at to take his ass to jail. Thus, letting everybody know what a piece of shit chomo pedophile that he really was. Charging the defendant with aggravated murder, first-degree kidnapping, and first-degree child rape. Guy Rasmussen is a monster. It's difficult to conceive of an individual who would do that to a nine-year-old girl. It's inconceivable to think about a person doing that to a person, much less a baby nine-year-old girl. This guy was a monster. Thankfully, we have science. Thankfully, we have all of the tools that we used because this wasn't good old-fashioned police work. This was a psychic. Can you imagine if the psychic didn't exist? Cindy may very well be sitting in the same spot in that field if it wasn't for the psychic to begin with. And then everything else just fell into place. Now, Raz was convicted. They tried the poke holes in the timeline. They tried to utilize his makeshift alibi 
because after he killed Cindy and after he raped Cindy, he ran over to a, to a uh, payphone to try to secure his alibi. And it didn't work because science is a motherfucker. And science will get you sometimes. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it will. Guy Rasmussen will die in prison where he belongs. And hopefully he will die by the hands of another inmate. He's a fucking chomo. He's been a chomo. He will always be a chomo. And that wraps up episode 24. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I am very sorry that it has taken so long to get the episode out. I'm hoping that from now on, we will get them out a lot faster. Thank you so much for being a a, a listener and for being there with me. I appreciate it. I'm lonely without you. I need you guys. Please don't abandon me. I'm vulnerable now. I'm going to cry. Anyway, until next time, always remember, just because you're paranoid, it doesn't mean that they're not out to get you. Just because you're anything, it doesn't mean that they're not out to get you. They're always out to fucking get you. You walk out the door, they're right there. They fucking are always out to get us. All of us. Not just you. Us. Until next time. Yeah, that's right. This cut goes out to all y'all that's been missing us for mad years. One love, yo. Yeah, that's right. He's got game. If man is the father, the son is the center of the earth In the middle of the universe Then why is this verse coming six times rehearsed? Don't freestyle much, but I write them like such Amongst the fiends controlled by the screens What does it all mean, all this shit I'm seeing? (laughs) Human beings screaming vocal javelins Sign of a local nigga unraveling My wandering got my ass wondering With crisis and all this crisis Hating Satan never knew what nice is Check the papers, well I bet on ISIS More than your eye can see and ears can hear Year by year all the sense disappears Nonsense perseveres, prayers links with fear Beware, two triple O's It might feel good, it might sound a little something But damn the game, if it don't mean nothing What is game, who got game, where's the game in life Behind the game, behind the game I got game, she got game, we got game They got game, he got game It might feel good, it might sound a little something But fuck the game, if it ain't saying nothing Damn, was it something I said? Pretend you don't see, so you turn your head. Race scared of his shadow, does it matter? Sort of reparations, got a plan with the population. Nothing to lose, everything's approved. People use, even murder's excuse. White men in suits don't have to jump. Still a thousand and one ways to lose with the shoes. God takes care of old folks and fools. While the devil takes care of making all the rules. Folks don't even own themselves, paying mental rent. The corporate presidents. Uh, one out of one million residents. Be a dissident who ain't kissing it. The politics of chains and whips got the sick missing chips and all the championships. What's love got to do with what you got? Don't let a win get to your head or a loss to your heart. Nonsense perseveres, prayers links with fear. Beware, two triple O is It might there. feel good, it might sound a little something, but damn the game if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's
there's the game in life Behind the game, behind the game I got game, she got game We got game, they got game He got game, it might feel good It might sound a little something But fuck the game if it ain't saying nothing Yeah, that's right, everybody got game But we just here to let y'all know That P.E. is in full effect From right now until the year 2000 And yo, my man singing Something happening here Yeah, yeah What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Yeah, that's right <laughs> Telling me I got to be aware It's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down That's right, boy, P.E. The full effect, boy, until the year 2000, yo Stop, look, what's that sound? Come on, sing it Everybody knows what's going down Sing it again, yo, come on Stop, look, hey. what's that sound? Hey, hey Everybody knows what's going down Hey, yo Trying to steal your life You know what I'm saying Look what this side yourself For peace